Scrapper fans, and welcome to the sixth instalment of Rerun the Rivalry, the December special Christmas treat you're getting from myself, you let me tell you something, co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other let me tell you something, co-host Simon Cross. Yes, we're giving you our advent calendar, but with spandex. Yes, and unfortunately, if you're eating the chocolates in the advent calendar, that spandex is increasingly having to expand. Hey! But this one is a bit more of a constricted, contracted match. Simon, wouldn't you say? Yes. What are we talking about this time? We are entering, not for the first time in the podcast history by any stretch of the imagination, but for the first time in this little sub-series, this little amuse-bouche we're giving you. We're entering G1 territory. We are talking about a match that took place in the A block of the G1, back in the days when they only had two blocks. (laughs) On the 10th of August 2013, to be precise, between, obviously, the headliners of our series, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, this is the penultimate match that they're covering for this show. What's really interesting with this one is that it's the most irrelevant match we're covering so far, as weird as it sounds. It's the first one that's not for the title. It's the first one that goes to a time limit draw. It's also... One where both men are not really... Their focus is not specifically the guy opposite them. Their focus is this larger scale tournament. And both men aren't having a a fun time of it with this tournament so far. Alright, lay some context on me. Okay, here we go. Now, first of all, what you need to know about this G1 is that this was... I mean, this was intense. This whole show was nine shows from August the 1st to August the 11th. Jesus. These guys wrestled nine singles matches over that period of time matches of great intensity as we see here and also Tanahashi goes on to win the block and therefore has to wrestle another match on the same night after this one so after this show there's the final show and Tanahashi ends up wrestling twice after this match and what's funny is that you can tell within the story of this match it's that they would both really like to win it quick Yes. And then they just essentially force each other into another one of their epic matches. (laughs) Because this is the only time limit draw that they have in the whole tournament. And the the only time limit draw within the whole tournament. To give you some context, they both have rough starts. In their first four matches, both of them had lost three of them. Their opening two matches, then they, they were mirroring each other. They'd lost their opening two matches, then they won their third match... Then they lost their fourth match, and then they go on a three-match winning streak, both of them, before they're facing off against each other in this match. Okada's lost to Prince Devitt, Hiroki Goto, and Togi Makabe. Oh. Devitt and Makabe were two people that he'd already beaten in IWGP title matches in between him winning it from Tanahashi and going into this G1. Whereas Tanahashi has also been focusing on the Bullet Club at the start of this. He beat Carl Anderson at Dontaku. So there was a Dontaku event, it just it was in May instead of April. And then losing to Prince Devitt at Dominion. Those were his two big singles matches in between. And then in this G1, he lost his first two matches to Satoshi Kojima and Tomohiro Ishii. And then he won his follow-up match. And then he lost to Prince Devitt. Ah, okay. So Devitt has wins over both men at this point in the tournament. And the G1s are booked so tightly packed. I mean, 
Naito wins his group with a 5-4 record. And the reason that he wins is because the five wins that he accumulated just happened to be against all the other guys that got 10 points. <laughs> and the four that he lost were against the four that just happened to have eight points. Ah. The maths that goes into these things. Yeah. It's incredible. And we're obviously like recording this series around the same time that the Qatar World Cup's been happening. And you look at those group stages, and we had some like proper drama in some of those groups in the third round of fixtures. And that, that just naturally happened. But the benefit of, obviously, the G1, and uh, as we alluded to in the previous episode, the long lines of string on Gato's wall, is he can engineer this drama. <laughs> well, yeah, and also I wonder if what the narrative going through this now is that Okada has the title, and Okada is maybe 1A and Tanahashi's 1B at this point. But that just means you've got a massive target on your back, and the G1 Climax is the perfect time for you to perform your best against a weakened heavyweight champion. And even if you lose the G1 Climax, you're almost certainly in line for a title shot afterwards. And so Okada ends up this tournament with a record of four wins, four losses, and one draw. Basically mid-table in the block. (laughs) Tanahashi, Shibata, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Prince Devitt, and Makabe all end up on more points than Okada does at the end of this G1. And usually when Okada's the champion in the G1, he's never reached the final because that's how they usually book it. But at the very least, he's like only doesn't go through because he's um, not top on head-to-head victories. He's, he'll have the same points as the person at the top. Yeah. The person at the top will have beaten Okada. That's usually how they, they'll book it nowadays. Little sidebar, what do you make of champions being in G1s? I think it's great because... It fit in with what it was beforehand, which was the idea that it's a separate reward in and of itself to win the, until the mid late 90s in English football, to win the FA Cup was basically seen as almost as big an achievement as winning the league. And nearly no one won the league in cup double. Mm. Like that, that had happened like five times in 120 years before Ferguson's United did twice in three. Yeah, and so I always saw it as like it's like this different discipline and the idea that you do it over a short space of time as opposed to like the long run because that's why Chono only ever held the IWGP title once and even then he had to relinquish it due to injury so he never once successfully defended it but he's not seen as a failure because he won a record number of G1 climaxes he won five G1 climaxes he was Mr. August yes but nowadays because it's so tied into the Wrestle Kingdom main events, and there's only so many people that can be in the Wrestle Kingdom main events. The repetitions are now becoming too frequent. Mm. Every top guy might not get a run with the IWGP heavyweight title, but they, they would get a G1 win. Like Hiroki Goto won the G1 on his first attempt in 2008. Yeah. But unlike Okada, he doesn't then build off of that to become the definitive guy. Instead, he becomes like the nearly man of pro wrestling afterwards. I like it because it's that sense of it's something in and of itself to win. And and twice the champion has won it. Muto won it in 95 and Kensuke Sasaki has won it once in 2000. Right. And that was with Sasaki. It was like, this guy truly is the top guy. Yeah. You know, like really solidifying it at that point. So yeah, I don't mind it. And it's, yeah, it works within the Japanese, you know, the reason these tournaments are so popular in Japan is that it's, mimicking the tournament structure of sumo wrestling Ah, that's why they do that's why round robins are so much more popular in japan than they are in any other 
part of the world for the presentation of wrestling because so much of Japanese wrestling is taken from sumo culture. And obviously, you me- you mentioned like the quick early pace of this match and then how they, because they cancel each other out, they sort of, not begrudgingly, but are sort of their hands are forced into wrestling the usual way against each other. Like Okada goes for a Rainmaker early on, I think. And Tanahashi catches him in an inside cradle that really freaks out Okada. Like, he goes to the outside and checks with Gado that it wasn't a three count. <laughs> Gado doing his best to her. It's all right. You're fine. Relax. It's like... It, Gado is like calming a spooked horse at that point, is how I see it. <laughs> Following up on the invasion attack match, Tanahashi again is going for low drop kicks, and again Okada is evading them, and... Playing it up, saying, uh, I've got you figured out, and pointing to his head at various points. But Tanahashi does eventually get to go at his knee, but he does it in the later stages. Now, he'd gone to the knee in the later stages of their first match, where but that was as a sign of desperation because nothing else... Like, you just did not expect this guy, this kid to be on his level. You mean the first match on um, upon his return, obviously. It's hard to say because you always you feel like that should count as match zero. Yeah, really, <laughs> not because it's not this Okada that we see. And with this one, Tanahashi does end up going after the knee, but it's because it's fifteen minutes into the match or whatever, and Okada's tired, and so it kind of comes from nowhere as well. Yeah, and then as soon as he gets that opening, it's maybe the most just intense attack on the knee we've seen from him, like. In the space of two minutes, he does what's usually like five to ten minutes of Tanahashi knee work. Yeah. He's ramming it into the post like he did in the third match that they did in the Dominion match. He's doing dragon screw leg whips. He's doing elbows onto the knee. He's stomping at the knee. There's a viciousness, not calculated Tanahashi, that we're we're often uh, used to. He's adding viciousness to it. Well, I think it's a fusing of the two because we've seen vicious Tanahashi and we've seen technical Tanahashi. This is viciously technical ta- Tanahashi <laughs> because again, it's like a, a shorter time frame. They don't have he doesn't have time to be finessy about it. But it, it, when Tanahashi wins, it's when he sticks to his brain and he still thinks things through. Okada is again the more sympathetic figure, I suppose, in this match, although. I think it's always curious, the, the way New Japan like to tell their stories, it's always key is who is in control when the time limit draw is called. And I think the perfect example of that is that the final thing that happens in this match is Okada going for a Rainmaker and Tanahashi ducking. Yes. <laughs> so it's like as neutral a statement as you can make that Okada's in control, but Tanahashi... Still has plenty left in the tank. Still has his mind at him. and But they are both exhausted. And also, Okada does really good crumbling to the mat selling as well in this match because of, of the knee attack in the late stages. Like, is it Toshiaki Kawada level? No, but who is at Toshiaki Kawada level for crumbling to the mat selling? Yeah. Obviously, him crumbling to the mat, we haven't seen that in previous matches. So... That's more about the exhaustion of the schedule, necessarily, than the work that Tanahashi has specifically done. Talking again about a first reversal that we haven't seen before, this is the first time that Okada's gone for the drop kick, and Tanahashi's caught him. Usually he grabs at the ropes and evades. In the previous match, he baited 
Okada to do the drop kick, no, basically knowing that's what he's going to do and pulling the brakes on. Mm. Whereas this time, he knows that's what uh, Okada's doing, but he also knows that he's just targeted the legs. So this is the perfect opportunity for him, if he can do it, and he does it, to capture the legs and then turn it into a couple of dragon screw leg whips and then into the Texas cloverleaf. Yeah. And again, arching high on that cloverleaf. He doesn't start low and then get high. He, he starts high on that cloverleaf. And Okada, again, is just doing what always brought him to the dance, going to the neck. So his big evasive comeback towards the last part of the match is him hitting a drop kick to the back of the head and following up with a tombstone. And then we go into the exchanges. And this is the first time, I think, in one of those exchanges where Tanahashi actually hits Okada with the Rainmaker himself. Yeah. It might be the first or it's the second time. Yeah, it's rare. I, there may be one. But what's really interesting in this match is Tanahashi surprising Okada with a Styles Clash. Yeah, no, that, that was a bit left field, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I wonder because I think by this point AJ Styles had left TNA. Mm. But he was doing the independent scene. Right. I might be wrong there. Tanahashi had wrestled AJ Styles in TNA. But AJ Styles himself doesn't come into New Japan until like February of 2014 or March or so. But maybe they already know that Devitt's getting taking calls or whatever because like AJ Styles turns up the night that Devitt leaves and becomes the new leader of the Bullet Club. And then it becomes AJ Styles as the prominent part of the heavyweight title division for the rest of his time there. So there must have been something going on that they... Just doing that move, and it's called Styles Clash. Yes, it is name drops, you're right. So maybe that was Tanahashi sending a signal to AJ, you know, you're wanted here. <laughs> if nothing else. Ah, there's work for you. There's always work for you. Really, when you look into G1 Climax matches, again, I think probably because they usually have to be shorter, that it is just about hitting that big move, and so at the end of it, that it's just... It's always the same finishing sequences. Oh, he goes for that. No, he misses that. No, oh, a seesaw battle. But Okada and Tanahashi just do it better than anyone else, I suppose. And because they've also had to put in the extra time into it and to sell the exhaustion, it maybe works more for me, whereas it just feels so placeholder. Again, like I said, they do strike exchanges better. They do finishing sequences better. Because the stakes aren't quite as high and because it's a little condensed, it just... And maybe because of the result as well. It's sort of not just there, but it, we look at the match we just previously covered and how we like wax lyrical about that. It, 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 it is just a couple of gears lower and that's just the nature of the beast. But I do think it's telling the story. And to me, the story is that Okada is now facing true adversity as the champ because he's like, he's the one that they're after now. He's the one they're targeting. He's the guy that Prince Devitt's formed the Bullet Club to overtake, I suppose. And, you know, claim the heavyweight division along with the junior division that he dominated. Like, the previous month, uh, he'd won the, the best of the Super Juniors without losing a single match. Like, he won every block match, and then he won the final. So, this match, I still think, is like four and a quarter to four, four and a half stars. So, even when they're not at their top, tippy-top gear, yeah. it's still a fantastic match. Oh, know? no, no, no one's saying it's bad. <laughs> yeah, like, this is their flaw. Four and a half stars is their floor at this point. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? But yeah, I think the story is that maybe Okada is still having to learn, ver you know, versatility because, you know, the exhausted Okada does get beaten in the next night whilst Tanahashi is able to pull it out and then go to the final. But at the final, he is defeated by Tetsuya Naito, 
which then sets up a whole new story <laughs> going in where and where Naito claims that the the biggest star in New Japan is me. Mm. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> also, another thing I forgot to say as well, these two matches are the first time that they've had matched against each other in Sumo Hall. Okay. Which is really... Hallowed ground, isn't it? Kyukigan, or however you pronounce it. Yeah, like, that is the the place for New Japan for their big shows, usually, that aren't the Tokyo Dome. You know, when I think of New Japan, the venues I think of are Krakuen Hall, Sumo Hall, and the Tokyo Dome. And obviously with all Japan, it was Krakuen Hall and Budokan. Yes. That was their place. Anyway, yeah, I don't have much more to say. I want this to be a more time-limited tour because it's a more time-limited match. It's still great. I don't think it's like if you were to say, oh, you know, the vital matches to watch, I would actually say even though it's a better match than the match, I would say if you have to watch... The matches so far, the can't miss matches. I think you have to watch the match where Okada surprises Tanahashi. Yeah. Because that is what lays the foundation for everything after that. Then I would say you have to watch Tanahashi winning the title off of Okada back. Weirdly, I don't think you have to watch the Wrestle Kingdom match. Basically, you have to watch the title changes. Yeah. And the ones in between are still great, but they're not utterly vital if you've got like only a day to watch as much as you can, you know. I catch a drift. I catch a drift. Yeah. I mean, where would you go? Like I said, I'm four and a quarter to four and a half. I would say... Four and a quarter. Yeah, that's fair. G1, Okada, Tanahashi, it's an interesting thing because it is not just about them. You know, that's not the only... It's like, oh, you again. (laughs) It's Whereas it's not what they've built their whole life around. But thank you for building a certain proportion of your life around our podcast to listen to this. Simon, if people want to get in touch with you about life priorities and the like, how can they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of seconds I uh, had to take when I was like, is that a Styles Clash? My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N. That's in the middle of half an hour. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you're putting out gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntwisepod at gmail.com. LNTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. Our next match is going to be King of Pro Wrestling. And the stakes could not really be any higher. The winner of this will go on to Wrestle Kingdom to face Tetsuya Naito. That's not as big a deal as it would be. (laughs) At least on the opponent front. But in order to get this title shot, Tanahashi has had to pledge that he will not challenge Okada again for the IWGB heavyweight title if he loses it. High stakes indeed. And that is an offer Okada can't refuse. But until then, there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something, and I hope you continue with us as we rerun the rivalry.